When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we've got the ACC Championship game in the books. It was a barn burner, just like we all knew it was going to be from the beginning. Uh, how are you, sir? Did you get to watch the game? Did you enjoy it? I watched it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, as you may imagine. <laughs> as a Virginia Tech fan, yeah. As a Virginia Tech fan. Oh, man. It was a cover-your-eyes game, like we anticipated. Yeah, definitely a what's-not-to-like situation as a uh, rival fan watching that game, I'm sure. Yes, as somebody who picked Clemson minus 29 with some confidence, boy, oh boy, was I feeling great about the game at halftime. Yeah, you, re- you rested easy there. Uh, probably I did. Very similar to the way that I was watching the Georgia-LSU game and watching LSU just stomp an absolute hole in Georgia. That wasn't the worst thing. So uh, Man, that was, that was ugly, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. So successful Saturday for the both of us. Um, Mike, we're going to recap this game. We've got some even some awards associated with it. And then we've got a couple other newsy updates here uh, to follow up on a couple things we talked about in the preview episode. Um, so let's just dive right in. Uh, as you alluded to, number three, Clemson, 62. Number 23, Virginia, 17. Um, this game, it really didn't seem like it really got away with, from Virginia for a lot of the first half. And then all of a sudden you look down and they're down by like four scores. Uh, yeah. You know, but Clemson did what Clemson does. We, we didn't get in the way of the train. Don't pick against them. Um, and, I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked sharp. Um, T. Higgins was a huge problem for Virginia in their secondary. Um, hats off to Clemson. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this game, and then I'm going to give a take that – I think might catch you off guard or might be surprising, but you, you tell me what you thought about this game in, in general and kind of what you saw. I thought UVA actually hung in there, which is a weird thing to say when you lose by 45. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like they hung in there in the first half. It was pretty obvious early that they were not going to be able to stop Clemson. And that's something that we mentioned in the preview. We said if there's a path for UVA winning this game, they have to at least slow down the running game of Clemson, which they did not do (laughs) at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Trevor Lawrence throwing into that banged up secondary was going to be a very favorable matchup that UVA really couldn't do anything about. Uh, And that was clear early, right up and down the field on the first drive, right up and down the field um, on subsequent drives there throughout late first quarter and then especially in the second quarter um uva did force a clemson stop uh uva did get in the end zone with Hassis dubois who actually had a really really good game 10 mm-hmm. catches for 130 yards and a touchdown he was outstanding mm-hmm. uh but after it was seven to seven this game was never really competitive after that clemson really clamped it down especially defensively uh they made life really difficult on bryce perkins who i thought played okay uh did have a couple of bad turnovers but 
all in all, I mean, he was 27 to 43 for 266, two touchdowns, two picks. He was basically the entirety of the running game. He had 17 carries for 58 yards. Wayne Tillapapa actually uh, eight carries, 43 yards. He was averaging about five and a half yards per carry, but you didn't even really recognize that he was out there. It was just like he didn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just really couldn't get much going in the running game. Uh, a lot of those read option plays, they kind of just bottled up Perkins, and that was that. Uh, Clemson's offense, I mean, what can you say, right? Trevor Lawrence, 16 to 22, 302, four scores. I mean, he was lights out. He's really sharp right now. Travis Etienne, 14 carries, 114 yards, averaging over eight yards per carry. And Joey, this offense is clicking on all cylinders. That's look, I'll get into T Higgins here in a second, but you look at Trevor Lawrence lately, right? Over the last six games. He's completing 75% of his passes for 1,638 yards. He also has 220 yards rushing, 23 total touchdowns, no turnovers. Clemson's uh, offense is a runaway freight train from hell. Like, don't, run, don't get away of that train. <laughs> yep, and UVA, unfortunately, lucked themselves into this game. Uh, I... That sounds bad. They had the <laughs> they didn't luck themselves into beat in, into the game by virtue of beating Virginia Tech. They did that all by themselves without any luck. But they they were lucky enough to just go play Clemson and get absolutely curb stomped, is what I meant by that statement. Um, Virginia deserved to be there despite what the score may indicate. They were the best team in the coastal this year, and like we had mentioned all year, it didn't matter who won the coastal because the ACC championship game was going to be ugly. And look, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, like Justin Ross had three catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins, nine for 182 and three scores. Like UVA just really couldn't match up in the secondary. Mm -hmm. And once Clemson's defense started getting stops, this game was over because UVA wasn't going to get many of them, if at all. Mm -hmm. And it really just played out that way. And Clemson ran away with the game like we thought they would. Joey, I think Clemson's the best team in the country. Um, they can't, they're third in the college football playoff rankings, the final one. So they'll be playing against Ohio State, who was ranked number two in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and Clemson, it turns out, we're looking at early betting lines. Clemson's favored in that game. Yep. So that tells you all you need to know about what the betting people in Vegas think about Clemson and think about Ohio State. I think it'll be a really great game in the Fiesta Bowl. But, sure. Joey, I, it's hard to bet against Clemson right now with the way they're playing on both sides of the ball. Oh, completely, completely. Um, yeah, as you as you mentioned there, now by virtue of winning this game and and hanging in there in the uh, playoff rankings and some losses around them and such, uh, number three Clemson will take on number two Ohio State in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl at eight o'clock on December twenty eighth. That's a Saturday. Uh, that'll be on ESPN, and Clemson is a two point favorite. We will come back and talk about that game in the future. Um, the thing, and you, you kind of mentioned this already, so I don't think I'm going to really catch you super off guard here, but Mike, I, I'm i going to say this. I was impressed with Virginia in this game. I thought they came out, I thought that I really liked their game plan. Um, offensively, they were, they put the whole game in Bryce Perkins' hands, basically. It was, it was a lot of throwing the ball around, realizing that they weren't going to run the ball with a whole lot of success. It was, if you are going to run the ball, let Bryce Perkins run the ball. Don't, don't try to, you know, bang your head against the wall, giving the ball to Wayne Tulipapa or anybody else. Um, Hashish Dubois, as you mentioned, was awesome. Um, he got a lot of help from Billy Kemp and Terrell Jana. Um, like, if you look at a number of these stats, Virginia had 23 first downs. They were 10 for 18 on third down. Like, they were moving the ball. 
the yep. problem was that they were hardly able to get anything in the way of explosive plays for most of the game, and eventually they were stalling out on offense if, over a long enough time frame. Yep. Um, no, I agree with that. But I felt like the way that they wanted to come out and attack Clemson's defense, I thought was a great a great game plan. They were using a lot of misdirection, a lot of uh, pre-snap motions and such to um, help the offensive line. By the way, the offensive line protecting Bryce Perkins did a phenomenal job. Um, he was only sacked twice in this game um, and, and just really impressed with what they did um, and really impressed with Virginia and their game plan. I thought they played well. Even in the uh, even when Clemson was trying to run the ball, when Virginia's on defense, Clemson did not have a ton of success, at least in the first half of the game, just handing the ball off to Travis Etienne up the middle. Um, they, what they got going in the run game, they got going because Trevor Lawrence was getting the ball into the perimeter and, and running out there. But where the whole thing completely broke down was that Virginia's secondary, if fully healthy, was going to have a problem with T. Higgins and Justin Ross. Virginia's secondary in their current beat-up state had no chance. Um, T. Higgins was a huge problem for them to cover. Um, oh, yeah, he was. He had a couple of just filthy, ridiculous catches um, that they, they were able to uh, get a lot of big plays on. And so that was... I felt like that was really the big difference here was that Clemson was able to hit on a bunch of big plays. Um, if you look at their drive chart, you know, they scored four touchdowns in the first half, three of them on drives of five plays or less, all of them on drives of at least 50 yards, you know, so Clemson's just hitting big play after big play. And that that's just not going to be something you can keep up with, with Virginia. If you're not, if you're not able to match that and certainly, you know, one of the guys they were missing too that I, I this kind of caught me off guard. Joe Reed didn't play in this game for Virginia. He uh, didn't. That was a big kind of loss for the Cavaliers on offense. Um, I guess he had some lingering injuries after the Virginia Tech game, and he just wasn't able to go. Um, that would have been another guy that would have maybe helped you take the top off Clemson's defense a little bit. But so I, I was impressed with Virginia. I thought they played well, as much as you can say that about a team that got beat by forty-five points, but. Um, I, I thought they gave an admirable, admirable effort, um, and, and I liked the game plan, and I, and I thought they looked as good as, as one can when just this this big, you know, this this badly outgunned um, by a, a good Clemson team. So, once again, though, Clemson, uh, they are peaking at the right time. They look phenomenal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is absolutely dialed in, and that's that's very clear. Um, lots of good stuff here. I, I you know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Clemson, I, I, I don't know if I want to definitively say, yes, they're the best team in the country right now, but they very well might be. Uh, yeah, I think they are. And, uh, Joey, I have some new – so we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. I have some mm. news for you. Ruh -ruh. Um, Virginia is going to the Orange Bowl. Whew. They will be playing against the Florida Gators. Mm. So that's a spicy matchup. Yeah, that's interesting. That's different. It is. That is. Um, so that's the first New Year's Six Bowl appearance in program history for UVA. So you lose 62-17. It looks bad, but look, this is an indictment of Virginia. That's something I, I didn't mention. It should have been obvious. Not an indictment of Virginia uh, that they lost that bad to Clemson. Would have happened to anybody. So, mm -hmm. uh, And clearly the playoff committee felt that way as well as Virginia is now going to play in the Orange Bowl, as they should. And I think an important piece of that is that Virginia only fell one spot to number twenty-four in this yep. in the in the last rankings. Um, yep. And and I think that's well deserved. You know, we were talking before we came on. If you're really gonna why like why would we punish Virginia for, you know, what happened to them is what we expected to happen, and what would have happened to most any team 
that would have been on that field against Clemson last night. Like, right? Maybe Virginia is still pretty decent, and they just <laughs> they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time in this game. Put it that way. Right. No. Totally. Totally agree with that. It was. It would have happened to anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Mike, you want to give out a couple of awards here before we uh, move on? Let's let's do that. Um, all right, the Go ACC moment of the week uh, for this championship game. There was there was one moment that really stuck out to me with some um, what I what I found to be some real hilarity. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. Virginia's punting, and it was kind of a delayed punt, um, and it was a, a low kick. It was kind of a tricky thing, and uh, Clemson's returner is set back to catch said punt, and then it kind of hits the ground, and he's going to play it off a hop. Well, it hops up, hits him in the face, falls down, and is recovered by his teammate, who was conveniently laying on his back right in front of the returner. Um, it, if you didn't see that moment, it was a uh, you almost couldn't make it up, and it really felt like as much as Clemson doesn't need to get lucky, you know, lucky bounces in this game, I'll be damned if uh, being in the right place at the right time means being on your back in front of the returner uh, when you should be blocking or something. So go ACC to that. I was going to say, like, that's as if Clemson needed any more help, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my reaction. So, yeah. anyway. That was a weird play. Um, anyway, so go ACC to that. Um, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award this week goes to Virginia's secondary. Um, and not to pile on at all, but, man, you tried to guard T. Higgins. And... <laughs> He was just all over the place. Uh, made a couple of pretty filthy catches, but basically he was the uh, he was the guy that Virginia absolutely could not cover again, and, and that made him our ACC Player of the Week again. Nine catches for 182 yards and three scores. Um, what a performance for him! Uh, I saw that he tied uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins for most receiving touchdowns or most touchdowns by a wide receiver in Clemson's program history. Um, those three guys all tied at 27 now, and you have to think that there's a good chance Higgins is going to pass them uh, here by the season's end. So that'll yep. be fun. We were uh, splitting hairs here on the player of the week. We were trying to decide if it was going to be Trevor Lawrence or T. Higgins uh, because Trevor Lawrence had six incompletions and four touchdown passes <laughs> in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, he's not a bad player, turns out. And uh, Virginia's Hasis Dubois actually in a losing effort. Mm-hmm. Ten catches for 130 and a touchdown. He was really good. But Honorable mention there. He, yeah, honorable mention, you know, but your team lost by 45, so um, you ended up in third place there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so go easy to see to those folks. Team of the week, obviously Mike gets Clemson here. Um, they, they are nasty. They're good. They're real nasty. I don't have any uh, – Anything else to say to that? <laughs> They're really good. Yeah. Really good. Real good. Um, Mike, anything else on this game before we move on? I think we're good on I mean, we've talked about a 45-point blowout as much as I think we could. Yeah, really. We've gone on for the better part of 15 minutes here. So let's yep. let's continue. Um, last you know, For the last time, number three, Clemson, 62. Number 23, Virginia, 17. Clemson, your ACC champions for the fifth straight year. Um, I was thinking about some trivia, Mike. Do you remember who the previous Atlantic team was to play in this game other than Clemson? Uh, Florida State. And do you remember who the Coastal team was that they played? No. <laughs> it was Georgia Tech. Oh, boy. The, uh, the the 2014 Orange Bowl Georgia Tech team was the last time that somebody not named Clemson was representing the Atlantic in uh, the ACC championship game. Do you remember the last time that Clemson lost? 
It's been a couple years. Mm-hmm. It's been since the playoff against Alabama two years ago. It was the Sugar Bowl against Alabama two years ago. Do you remember the last team to beat them in the regular season? Or I guess in, in either regular season or conference championship game? Syracuse. It was Syracuse in the Carrier Dome back in, what, September or early October of 2017? Yep. Yeah, Clemson's good. They're real good. Clemson's good. Um, Joey, another mm-hmm. bowl game announcement. Virginia Tech will be playing Mississippi State in the Belk Bowl. Hmm. How much is Virginia Tech favored by in that game? I was going to say, they got to feel great about their chances there. And th- these are all courtesy of Brett McMurphy mm-hmm. of the stadium. I just, he's kind of rattling off tweets as we go live here. Uh, we got Boston College, Cincinnati, and the Birmingham Bowl. Ew. And BC, cover your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati's probably a huge favorite there. Um, Notre Dame, Iowa State, and the Camping World Bowl. I know we're not really a Notre Dame podcast anymore. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Mm-hmm. And the last one for now, uh, Tennessee and Louisville in the Music City Bowl, which is semi-intriguing. Tennessee started playing pretty well second half of the year. Louisville obviously had a really nice season. So Louisville um, fans are going to show up to that one. They, oh, yes, they are. And Tennessee fans should show up to that one as well. That should be fun. That, that's going to be a good game, I think. Yeah, that's only about a um, three, maybe four-hour drive from Louisville, I believe. Yeah, um, and Tennessee, obviously. I mean, that's an in-state game, uh, so that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. I think that's I like that matchup. It will be, yeah, for sure. So we'll continue podcasting here and talking about you know coaching hires and things of that nature. And every now and then, I'll I'll throw in a bowl game or two. Yeah, keep uh, keep dropping those in as we find out more. Yep, Mike, we have uh, we have big news. We got confirmed this morning. Uh, it was it was really kind of being. Widely reported as a done deal last night. Florida State's got a head coach. And as we mentioned before uh, in our our previous recording, that head coach is going to be Mike Norvell, uh, former head coach for Memphis. He was uh, spent four years there in Memphis, won a collective 38 and 15. He went 24 and 8 in conference and each of the last three seasons at least tied for the lead uh, in the AAC, what, the West? I don't remember. Uh, not important, but you know, won the division three straight years, or at least a share of it. Um, previously, before that, was an offensive coordinator for four years at Arizona State. Uh, spent a year before that at Pittsburgh, uh, and the number of years at Tulsa. So he is a, an offensive-minded guy. Uh, he he was a, a wide receiver playing a, at Central Arkansas, and then after that, he's been in coaching ever since. He's a younger guy; he's only thirty-eight, um, but a guy that by all means seems like he knows what he's doing from a coaching standpoint. Um, he, he did pick up for Justin Fuente when Fuente left for Virginia Tech, and they were already having some success. And so it's not like he totally turned the program around or built it up from, from the ground. But um, the fact that he was able to continue being successful for four straight years, I think, is a good sign. At the end of the day, Mike, I, I'd like to think that Florida State could have gotten somebody that was a little bit more established um, had more of a power five track record of success, et cetera, et cetera. But also knowing that there is a huge dimension at play here regarding money and not only what Florida state has to spend, but also what certain candidates are going to cost um, in so many ways, not just, you know, paying buyouts, but paying the candidate and then giving them money for their staffs. I think considering all the circumstances here, I like this hire for Florida state. I think this is going to work fairly well, at least hopefully better than the Willie Taggart thing did. Um, but I, I think this will end up being a good move for Florida state. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's not a, I don't want to call it like not a sexy hire because 
understanding that Mike Norvell is is one of these guys who's been talked about for bigger head coaching jobs the last couple seasons now. Uh, obviously, they just won the AAC yesterday against Cincinnati. They're playing a New Year's Six Bowl game, uh, playing in the Cotton Bowl, actually, against Penn State. So that'll be a big game. Um, but Norvell moving on to Florida State, I, I think that he can coach. I think that's clear. Uh, but like you mentioned, I, I think for Florida State at this point in their program, I think the Seminoles would have liked to have somebody a little bit more established at the P5 level. Um, that's not to say that Norvell won't work. It's who knows, right? And he's proven that he can coach at the group of five level. So, yeah, I think it's a good hire on paper. Um, but how much more assurance does this give you than the Willie Taggart hire two years ago, right? That's kind of how I feel about it. Now, do I think Norvell was more widely talked about as a head coaching candidate than Willie Taggart was? Yeah, I do. Um, that's not to say that Taggart wasn't highly thought of. I mean, he made the jump from South Florida to Oregon and turned around the Oregon program pretty quickly in year one. They, they got to seven wins. I mean, it was seven and five, but I mean, they weren't necessarily expecting to make a bowl game. So he outperformed expectations in year one at Oregon and then immediately goes to Florida State. and He's in way over his head. I think Norvell will be a little bit more prepared. Um, I think he probably needs to make sure that he hires a couple guys to his staff that aren't necessarily the same guys that were coaching with him at Memphis. That's not to say that he can't bring over some of his Memphis assistants, but I do think that recruiting at Florida State is a much, much bigger deal than recruiting at Memphis. And I think as such, you have to adjust for that accordingly because you're not necessarily going to have the top, the luxury of time at Florida State. Uh, Florida State, if they want to pony up the money to get rid of somebody, they do it. Uh, Willie Taggart cost them a lot of money to fire. That was clear. And I think because of that, they made a hire that, look, I think Norvell's good. I think this is probably one of the better candidates that they had on their board outside of Bob Stoops. But, ah, man, I just, I, it's one of those things where it's, I mean, it's Florida State and maybe Norvell ends up being really good there. And I, I do like Norvell as a coach. He did well at Memphis, but Man, I was thinking of a bit more sexy hire than this, and I think yeah. the financial implications had a lot to do with it, like you mentioned. Yeah, he's not he's not a name, as you're kind of getting at, in the way that Urban Meyer or Bob Stoops or Matt Campbell or, or you know some of these folks would be. Um, and that also does feel like a bit of a one of these things is not like the other with those three candidates. But, um, I mean, I, I think if you're just looking for did they hire a good football coach, and this is probably not that far off from the conversation we had last year about Louisville hiring Scott Satterfield. Like, Scott Satterfield had quietly been really good for a long time at Appalachian State. But being that he was at Appalachian State, you know, you're very off the beaten trail and you don't really get a lot of attention nationally. And, and people hear, oh, you hired Appalachian State's coach. Pfft, that's the best you could do. Well... Louisville's 7-5. and five. They've won five more games than they did last year. I mean, there, there was an immediate turnaround there, and, that, and that's an indication of quality. So sometimes it's not just about like hiring the sexy name and, and winning the press conference, so to speak. It's got a lot to do with just hiring a guy who knows what he's doing and has, has shown you that and has proven that. And it, At least to the degree that he could have, it seems like Norvell has proven that so far. And again, he is a younger guy. He is an up-and-comer still to a certain degree. Um if you look at the color of his hair, you wouldn't believe me, but he is not yet 40 years old. Um, I I think there were probably, you know, more home run hires that could have been made. 
but I do think this was like a solid double. Put it that way. I mean, this is this is a this is a good hire. Maybe not home run can't miss, but it's this is still good. I I think if you're a Florida State fan, knowing that you you had to pony up some stupid amount of money to be able to get rid of Willie Taggart, and, and what all came along with that, to then turn around and be able to make this hire, and, and considering all those circumstances, I think you need to be okay with that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that Florida State fans will be okay with it. And I think it's a wait and see. But I think there is some excitement about this hire. I do think Florida State fans, at least the early indications are from what I've seen on social media, which is a cesspool. We always like to remind people of that. But mm-hmm. from what I've seen on social media, it seems like Florida State fans are generally happy with this hire. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it pans out. I mean, they were excited about the Willie Taggart hire, too, in a lot of cases. And it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go watch his opening press conference, too, as well. It sounds like he's saying all of the right things. Um, he is tampering expectations a little bit. And, and as much as a guy named Mike Norvell coming from Memphis can win the press conference at Florida State, um, I think he did that this morning. So go uh, go take a look at that. Um, Mike. Joey. Yes. Got another bowl game for you. Uh-oh. Ring the bell. Wake Forest is going to the pinstripe bowl. Ooh. Their okay. opponent? Their opponent, ready? Michigan State Spartans. Ooh, that is an ugly matchup. Um, uh, not, yeah, take the under. I, yeah, take the under. I, I'm not saying Wake Forest can't win that game. I think they certainly can. I just, oh, gross. Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that. Gross. That uh, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't. It, it's this isn't really about. Wake Forest either. This is really about Michigan State. Michigan State is not a sight for sore eyes if you haven't really watched them play. They're they're not super fun to watch. Uh, yeah, they. we talk about the lack of ability to complete a forward pass with Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Watch Michigan State. Georgia Tech's going to look like a freaking well-oiled machine passing-wise compared to what Michigan State's doing. As LeBron James would say, a jogger not. A jogger not. There you go. A jogger not. An astronaut's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> God. In, in better shape. Yes. Um, all right. Well, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye out for. Hopefully Miami's bowl game's announced so I can make fun of them. <laughs> I keep wanting to ask when, uh, which, which bowl game Georgia Tech's going to. But, it, oh, it hurts so bad. It hurts. It does. I'm still mad at the Belk Bowl. Last year it should have been Georgia Tech and Auburn in the Belk Bowl. And then they didn't. And... Georgia Tech just didn't show up at all for oh, Paul man. Johnson's last game. Oh, man, yeah, I remember that. You were real salty. And then they turned around and uh, got smoked by some little startup team called Minnesota, and it turns out that Minnesota team wasn't that bad. Yeah, it looked bad It looked bad at first. It sure did. But, um, yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Anyways. Mike, we got a little bit of news coming out of your, your little corner of the world, too. Uh, Virginia Tech announced this morning that they are promoting – Justin Hamilton to defensive coordinator. Uh, we, we need to talk about this a little bit, and you were in on the reporting of this altogether, but uh, Hamilton, also a younger guy. Uh, he's only, what, 37? Uh, he's only been in coaching fairly recently. Um, this is not a, a long-time guy, but he will officially be taken over as defensive coordinator for Bud Foster. I, I don't know how to feel about that. It's kind of a weird thing to think that they're going to be replacing long-time college football uh, staple play caller and Bud Foster with a guy who's never called plays on defense. So that's kind of a weird place to be, but I I think you feel okay about where it's at at least. 
Yeah, so let's start here. Um, Joey, I write for Sports Illustrated. Should we start there? Congratulations. That's a recent Thank development. You. Thank you. Yeah, it's a recent development. So I write for, uh, you know, Maven took over Sports Illustrated. They cut a bunch of people. It was big news. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to develop out the team coverage for a lot of different college football teams. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people covering Virginia Tech. So it's uh, it's unfortunate that it happened the way that it did. And a lot of good people lost their jobs. But as a beneficiary of one, I it is what it is, right? So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so Barry Odom, the former Missouri head coach, uh, was the top candidate at Virginia Tech to replace Bud Foster. He was on campus, and, and I wrote about this and, and reported already, so I can I can talk about it on here. Um, he was the top candidate to replace Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. He was on campus in Blacksburg earlier this week. Um, my understanding is that he had an opportunity. He had a contract offer to become the next defensive coordinator. Uh, but what ended up happening was he was also in play at many different jobs, uh, group of five level jobs. Um, the two I can absolutely con- I can absolutely say with certainty and comment on. Uh, one is Memphis, where he's perceived at least at this point in time at 325 on Sunday the 8th to be the front runner at Memphis uh, to replace the guy who we just talked about, Mike Norvell. Mm-hmm. Uh so he had to give Virginia Tech an answer by this weekend. Um, he gave them that answer on Saturday afternoon saying, I will not be coming to Blacksburg. Uh, Virginia Tech quickly moved on from him, and Justin Hamilton was the guy who was kind of being rumored for a while. It's like, well, if they don't land their guy, right, um, and Barry Odom, who's it going to be? And Justin Hamilton was a name that was circulating for about a week or two here as a guy who could potentially be uh, the new defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech. Uh, again, like you said, he's he is young. He's up and coming. He's actually moved up the ranks quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Started as a special assistant, didn't really have a defined role, and then quickly moved up the ranks. He was a safeties coach this year, and now he's your defensive coordinator. He's thought quite highly of by Justin Fuente and the coaching staff. Uh, that's why he was promoted. Uh, now, I, I'm not crazy about it from the standpoint of hey, this was your kind of best option after Barry Odom, like to replace a legend in Bud Foster. It's like, this is really the best we can do here, a guy who's never called plays before. But with that being said, it does sound like Bud Foster is going to take on a mentor role, at least in year one, which I think is important. I think if that does play out the way that it seems like it might, I don't hate it. Um, I think the transition can be seamless. Uh, I do know that Justin Hamilton is a very good recruiter. So from that standpoint, this helps with continuity on the recruiting trail. We've talked about the Virginia Tech recruiting class in 2020 not being great. And I think that, you know, Justin Hamilton remaining on the staff will will help, at least from a continuity standpoint, to keep the guys that you do have on board, mm-hmm. um, especially on the defensive side of the football. It was going to be a small class anyway, but they, they missed out on some guys, right? So I, I think keeping Justin Hamilton is, is good from that standpoint. I think what's... Uh, What's more important here is that Virginia Tech's uh, defensive backs coach Brian Mitchell will not be returning, which is a surprise considering the emergence of Jermaine Waller and Caleb Farley and Armani Chapman's played really good football for the Hokies, and their secondary's been pretty good the second half of the year. But their defensive backs coach will not be returning, so that's an interesting development. And another one that I think is important to bring up real quick, uh, Zon Burden, running backs coach. 
So he won't be returning either. And we talked about Jerry Kill earlier in the year coming on board as a special assistant to the head coach for Justin Fuente, and he took a more active role in the running game. And once Jerry Kill came on board, Virginia Tech started running the ball a lot better. I think that coincided with the quarterback change with Hendon Hooker, but they did run the football a lot better the second half of the season than they did in the first half. And, you know, the Hokies were not getting the production they needed out of the running back position. That was clear. So Zon Burden won't be returning, but he's also a candidate to be the head coach at Old Dominion. So that's something to monitor as well. So this might be a an opportunity for Burden to get a promotion elsewhere. Um, so I don't think it's all totally tied to Virginia Tech not running the ball well and Jerry Kill coming aboard. Um, I, I think that Burden being a candidate elsewhere is, is kind of what's driving this as well. So just keep an eye on that with the Old Dominion coaching search. It impacts the recruiting for UVA and Virginia Tech directly. Uh, being in the state of Virginia. So that's important as well. But yeah, it's a w- total wait and see hire with Justin Hamilton. I, I think if Bud Foster does mentor him in year one, I think that's that's good. I think that's what will be needed. Um, but it's a total wait and see approach because anytime you hire somebody who's never called plays before, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask the, the formality of that. So sure, Bud Foster is going to mentor him. Is Bud Foster doing that as a like a formal employee or member of the athletic department, or is that just sort of a, I don't want to leave football alone yet. So I'll kind of hang around and be there. Yeah. So he is going to take a role within the athletic department when he retires. Um, That's, uh, that's something that's already kind of been openly talked about Mm -hmm. um, around Virginia tech. So he will have a role in the athletic department moving forward, specifically around football operations. So whether they call him an analyst or not, I, I doubt that they do just because he's going to be retired and like removed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does sound like he's going to have a role within football operations. And I think part of that will be taking on an informal defensive analyst role. At least that's what prominent reporters within the Virginia tech program um, are saying right now. So if that ends up being the case, I, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Aren't you a prominent reporter within? Uh, never mind. I, uh, so I, <laughs> sure. Reporter is a strong word for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, more of just a, a writer at this point. <laughs> I'll just I'll go with writer and. There you go. That'll work. People, when people like me more, we can call me a reporter. <laughs> Let's do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Mike, let's move on. I got one more little nugget here, and I don't know that this is. Um, Really even like news as much as it's sort of just like a rumor that's kind of gone around talking about the Boston College coaching search. We haven't really gotten any uh, good, you know, updates on that just yet. But the name that I'm seeing that seems like it would be the favorite and seems like it would kind of make sense on a lot of different levels is Jeff Halfley. Um, He is the defensive coordinator for Ohio State right now. Formerly a, um, I guess what you would call a... um, who am I thinking of? Greg Schiano guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of followed Greg Schiano a little bit around with uh, from Rutgers to Tampa Bay. He was the secondary coach for the Browns for a couple years and then for the 49ers for three years. Um, now after one year at Ohio State as a co-defensive coordinator, uh, there's some discussion about him potentially being Boston College's head coach. I, you know, another younger guy. He's only 40. He'll turn 41 here in the spring, but... Um, would be interesting. I, you know, there, there's some things about him that I don't know in terms of recruiting ability and all that, but um, it seems like he's got a good pedigree. It, it seems like it's a good thing to hire guys from Ohio State and what they're doing. So, I, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. I, I don't really have any 
big opinions on that at the moment, but um, that's that's the name that has been kind of tossed around for Boston College, at least so far, that I've seen. It makes sense on paper, Joey. Sure. Um, for better or worse. I mean, I, I don't really even know where this Boston College coaching search is going to go, and I'm waiting intently to see where they're going to be playing in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Kind of sitting here on that still. but We, um, we said they're going to... Cincinnati or they're going to Birmingham to take on Cincinnati? oh that's right yeah you're right I did tell you that yeah, yeah they're that... going to Birmingham to play Cincinnati and Luke Fickle is still the coach at Cincinnati and Boston College doesn't have one and Cincinnati was better anyway and yeah my well, bad speaking of which yeah. we were talking about Luke Fickle for Boston College and that would be oh man man there would be some uh parallelism we'll call it that there'd be some real uh what am I thinking some real sideshow or uh, theatrics involved there if if we were to find out that uh, Luke Fickle was going to leave his team and go join the team that they're going to be playing in the uh, in the bowl game so anyways Steve Adazio's job didn't die for this Joey yeah they did not uh, Mike we got more breaking news oh yeah the Sun Bowl we got Florida mm-hmm. State Florida really? State heading to the Sun Bowl yeah who are they playing do we know yet um I am not seeing that. I am seeing that they are in the Sun Bowl, and that's about the extent of it so far. Uh... Oh, man. Are they going to send Miami to Detroit? <laughs> right? Ooh. Does, oh, text, uh, does the ACC still have quick lane bowl ties? Yes, they do. Oh, man. Is Miami going to a quick lane bowl? They Joey. might could be. Joey, that hasn't been <laughs> announced yet, but we're running out of bowl games, and uh-oh. We haven't seen Pittsburgh yet. Uh, oh. At least I haven't seen Pittsburgh. No, I haven't seen Pittsburgh yet either. Um, this is what's great about podcasting in real time here with all the bowl games being announced is that oh, we can sure. react to this raw and in real time. This is the second straight <laughs> week we've been able to do this. We were able to do this last Sunday, too, when Steve Adazio got fired in the middle of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, I, I misspoke, Mike. It is no longer the Sun Bowl. It is now the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Oh, that's correct. And, Joey, it's I have an great. opponent for Florida it, it is great. And, Joey, I have an opponent for Florida State. Uh-oh, who is it? Arizona State. Hmm. That's an interesting matchup of fan bases and student bodies. Ooh, a lot of hot girls in that matchup. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Subtle, Mike. Subtle. Yeah. Um, uh, let's have let's have ourselves a ball game, shall we? <laughs> and doing it all like 10 minutes from the Mexican border. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, ooh, baby. Yeah, it seems like we're still hanging out, waiting for, what do we got? Pittsburgh and Miami. And there's someone else, I'm sure. Not Duke. Uh, we figured out Boston College. We figured out Wake, uh, North Carolina. So Miami, Pitt, oh, yeah, North, North Carolina, Carolina is kind of what we're waiting yep. on here. But I don't know if we need yep. to wait around on that and uh, keep podcasting or just you know call it off. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Brett McMurphy. Oh yeah, North Carolina. Oh yeah, North Carolina military ball, baby. Going to the military ball, which means. Miami still could be going to Detroit. <laughs> Joey, let's just keep recording here. Oh, my gosh. I think this is going to come out shortly. Um, North Carolina playing Temple in the Military Bowl? Yes. That'll be Looks an interesting like... game, actually, I think. I think I like North Carolina there. 
I do too. Um, without doing any real digging, I, th- I think I also like North Carolina there. Um, oh if nothing... God, it's it's either gonna be Detroit or Shreveport for Miami. <laughs> What's worse? I don't know. Oh man, I forgot about the Independence Bowl. Oh man, where's Pitt going? Oh man. Oh man, what Pittsburgh and Shreveport feels like Pittsburgh and Shreveport in Miami playing. <laughs> Playing some ball in Detroit feels like cruel and unusual punishment for both teams. I'm here for it. This, I feel like we're about to find out something. So let's just keep vamping here. Um, yes, let's do it in real time. Oh, cause... there it is. Miami and Louisiana Tech in the Independence Bowl. Oh, I don't love that matchup for Miami. Give me Louisiana Tech. I don't love that matchup. Yep, I do not love that matchup for Miami. Man, that's um, that's gonna be a mess for Miami. They might be like. Oh man, Joey, they might be like seven or eight point dogs in that game. I was hoping they're going to be like a favorite in that game. I don't know. I'll take all those points. By the way, Miami last played in the Independence Bowl in 2014. I thought it was more recently than that. But in the 2014 Independence Bowl, they lost to South Carolina 24-21. Are you sure they'll be a favorite? I I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, you know, I could see it. Seven or eight, seven or eight might be a lot of points. It might be like more like three or four. Yeah, um, something like that. Which means we're relegating Pittsburgh to the Quick Lane Bowl to Detroit. Uh, wonder who they'll be playing. Um, is it still a uh, still a Big Ten game? I think it could be. I think it could be. Um, let's. Google this one, Quick Lane Bowl. It is actually, I think I saw a picture somewhere that they had posted of like helmets being selected or something. Oh gosh, the Quick Lane Bowl website is just like a subset of the Quick Lane website. Lord. So up across really? the top, it's shop tires, getting oil change, good stuff. Go to a bowl game. Yeah. Quick Lane, baby. Um. um Man, I want to know. I want to know where Pitt's playing so bad here. We've we've hit all the other ACC teams going to bowl games. Yeah, I think this is about it. I think there's no uh, no Gasparilla Bowl this year. Sadly, shout out Bad Boy Mowers. Um, yeah, well, I guess I guess we already had somebody for the Birmingham Bowl, so that's that's been we decided. did. We did. Um, hmm. Yeah, this really feels like we're just like two minutes away. So if you're listening to this right now and thinking this is the worst podcast I've ever listened to. Which you probably are, but I mean if you've lasted this long, you might as well hang with us. <laughs> I don't I don't see why I don't see why not at this point. Uh man, man bowl game reaction in real time. This is this okay, is our so, card here. Alright, so so let's let's do this. Let's go through the ACC bowls again here, okay? Okay. Um So we said so the, first of all, Clemson in the in the Fiesta Bowl. The Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl is between UCF <laughs> and Marshall, which that'll be, yeah. that'll be boring. Uh, all right, let's talk about the ACC Bowl games again. All right, so yeah. we got Florida and UVA in the Orange Bowl. And, Joey, I think I like that matchup for Virginia more than uh, them playing Georgia, to be honest with you. Um, Georgia's defense against UVA would have been an issue. Uh, now, Georgia can't really throw the ball offensively, but... I think Georgia could score enough running the football in that football game to win. And now that they're playing against Florida, obviously Florida's got a really, really good defensive front. Mm-hmm. But 
not quite as good defensively as Georgia. Still really good defense, but not quite as good defensively as Georgia. What, um, what would you guess that line is going to be, Virginia versus Florida, in the Orange Bowl? Florida is going to be favored, obviously. Um, That's going to be double digits, I think. I was going to say like eight or nine, but I could see it being double digits, I guess. I, I think that's going to be somewhere between 10 and 14. And do you think it would have been any different from a spread standpoint if it was Georgia? Yeah. I, uh, Maybe a little bit? Yeah. Um, I if think not only because of the injuries? Yeah. I, I Really, in so many ways, I think Georgia would have been a better matchup for Virginia, honestly. Um, really? Okay. I do, yeah. Because of... Uh, the thing that Georgia loves to do on offense is the thing that Virginia is actually pretty good at stopping. And we saw them stop it pretty well against Clemson last night. Eh, so Clemson you, averaged 5.6 yards per carry. Yeah, but they did a pretty good job of containing Travis Etienne for most of the game. He, he ripped off a few big right. carries, but it wasn't like they were just, you know, avalanche running the ball at will on them. You know? That's so fair. Virginia held up nicely, so I think they could have done that a little bit better against Georgia. But um, I, th- I think Florida is going to... Florida's going to do a little bit more in space and, and abuse that Virginia secondary a little more. So I, I I think I would have liked the Georgia matchup a little bit, but, you know. I, I, Splitting hairs. Yeah. I mean, again, either way, they're going to be a double-digit underdog, I think, in that game. I I agree. Um, also, like, Georgia's entire team is hurt at this point, which their offense wasn't very good before. but um, And there it is. Pit to the quick lane bowl. Pit to the quick lane bowl. Um Okay, quick quick reaction. Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, how do you feel about that for Tech? Uh, I think Virginia Tech is going to be like at least a touchdown favorite and I think I think so, I think so too and I think they cover that. Yeah, I think they'll win that game pretty comfortably if if they care to. Yes, I I agree. Um we talked about BC and Cincinnati probably more than we should have. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest, Michigan State, cover your eyes with the whole uh offense thing. Wake should be able to win that game by scoring like 24 points. Right, cuz Michigan State them scoring more than two touchdowns at this point seems like a chore. Um, Florida State, Arizona State. I don't really have opinions on that. I think Arizona State will probably be slightly favored. That's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I figure Arizona State's probably favored. Um, I, you just don't know what you're going to get from Florida State with a with an outgoing coaching staff and and all of that. So. I don't know. I, I don't hate that matchup. That'll be interesting to watch, I think. I think, I mean, truth be told, I think North Carolina Temple is the most intriguing ACC bowl game so far. Um, That's without seeing who Pittsburgh's playing. Yeah. I, I like North Carolina against Temple, I think. I think North Carolina's favorite in that game. I do, too. Um, And when I say the most intriguing ACC bowl game, that's the non-playoff game, because obviously Clemson and Ohio State is the most intriguing ACC bowl game, but mm-hmm. we're not counting that for now. Um, we talked about Miami and Louisiana Tech. Um, you said Pittsburgh officially is in the is in the quick lane bowl. Yeah, they're in the quick lane. Um, do we have an opponent yet? Let's see. Pull up the Twitter machine here. Truth be told, I've just been following Brett McMurphy's Twitter profile because um, he's been blasting out these bowl games. Utah versus Texas in the Alamo Bowl. It's not ACC related, but. Hammer Utah. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Utah is way better. They should probably be a, like a ten point favorite. Yeah, they are way better. Um, but people will remember Utah losing on national TV, and they'll be underrated. I I will be all over Utah in that game. I'm telling you that right now. The only concern for Utah there is the the letdown factor of we almost made the playoff and then we crapped the bed and 
Now we're in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, now we're in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, sounds like the opponent's still TBA for uh, Pitt in the Quick Lane Bowl. Man, so it's going to be a Big Ten opponent, correct? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. Let's play a game called Guessing Who It Might Be. Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, Big Ten teams that I don't think I've heard of where they're going yet. Minnesota. Uh, no, we... Uh, they're going to put 10-2 and two Minnesota in the Quick Lane Bowl again? <laughs> I would hope not. Um, I hope Illinois? not. Illinois? But... Uh, Illinois might actually... We might have just hit it. Illinois at 6-6. Six six. Yeah, that might be it, to be honest with you. I think Indiana at 8-4 and four already has a... Already has an opponent in a bowl game assignment. Quickly, I also don't know that it's necessarily a Big Ten thing. I think there was a Big Ten team there last year, but it might have been. Let's see, where are we at here? Still no updates. Um, I think it might have been one of those things where somebody else didn't have enough teams to fill their slots, and as a result, you know, the the Big Ten got the overflow. I think that might yeah. have been what it was last year. Could have been. Could have been. Um... And, I mean, Quick Lane, I would love for them to officially announce it, but it doesn't look like they are. Oh, it is a Big Ten team. Yeah, I'm guessing it's I'm guessing it's Illinois. I think that's a really, really good guess. Um, I'd be I shocked d- if it's I, not. I don't know. I probably... Oh, no, it's not a Big Ten team. It's not? Pittsburgh is playing Eastern Michigan in Ooh. the Quick Lane Bowl. Ooh. Um, wasn't expecting that. Eastern Michigan, who went 6-6 six and six in the MAC. Uh, wow. For what it's worth, Pittsburgh also could have gone 6-6 six and six in the MAC. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if it was Illinois, I would have really loved it. And honestly, like, from a motivation standpoint, the Eastern Michigan players are getting to play in a bowl game. They're What's Pitt's be, motivation? Yeah, and and it's just right around the corner. I mean, that'll be a uh, they'll be hyped up for that. So, um, from a motivational standpoint, I don't hate. You know, we'll see what level of underdog they are. Um, let me double check how far Ypsilanti is from Detroit. Good lord, man. Good lord, man. <laughs> uh, Ypsilanti is like just right inside of Ann Arbor, probably about an hour from Detroit, maybe even less. So, yeah, they'll have a bunch of people there, and they'll be ready to go. How many Pitt fans are going to be really juiced up to go see their team play in a bowl game in Detroit against Eastern Michigan? Probably not a lot. They can barely get them at their home games. So, <laughs> like, This is a valid point. Yeah, so just stating the facts. Yeah, this Don't is like a messenger. This is going to be like a 40-minute 40, 40 drive from campus to uh, where that game's being played, so... Whatever uh, contingent Eastern Michigan has at this point, they will uh, they'll probably right. have it at that game. So yeah, so don't hate Eastern Michigan in that matchup against yeah. the spread anyway. Pitt should be favored, but don't hate Eastern Michigan against the spread. Yeah, whatever whatever the spread is, I don't know. That's probably a couple touchdowns or something like that. It's so hard to bet bowl games anyway, just because you don't know how motivated a team's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. We gotta be careful um, with that. Gotta be careful. I'll bet them anyway, but you gotta be careful. <laughs> absolutely. I guess we should wrap up now. Yeah, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we're good. This dragged, so sorry if you got bored the last couple minutes, but we tried to <laughs> cobble together some hashtag analysis in real time. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we did okay with that. I don't know. With no with no prep. We just barely, like, barely started this thing a little too early. If we had started, like, 10, 15 minutes later, we would have uh, had it all 
locked up at this point. So that's right. But it is what it is. Anyways, all right, uh, Mike. Let's get out of here. We're gonna come back. Uh, it's at some point here. We're gonna have some news surely on the Boston College coaching search and a couple of other things, and then obviously we're gonna have to preview some bowl games. So uh, just because the season is over, we are not totally done with podcasting and, and all this. So we will still have some uh, some episodes coming your way. So stay tuned. Keep your uh, keep your podcast machine tuned to uh, to the Basketball Conference podcast. We're going to get out of here. Uh, in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am F- at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yeah, inbox has been a little uh, little quiet since Virginia lost last night. It's kind of strange. Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> uh, get- Mike, they can find us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher. On- <laughs> oh, man. You get blown out by Clemson, all of a sudden you shut the hell up. Who would have thought? <laughs> Predictable. Um, yeah. That's all. Uh, what Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast, all those good places, uh, Anchor, and most importantly. Mike, you want to tell me where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts hating on Virginia there. Please do. That's, that's where we they hate all your are. Team. Yeah, we definitely hate your team, so... <laughs> Keep it rolling. Keep it moving. Absolutely. Um, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good, man. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to uh, digest some more information. I'm sure we'll be back here talking about the bowl game soon. And if not, the coaching news for Boston College will be hot off the presses at some point in the near future, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, keep it tuned here. We'll have a lot of good stuff for you uh, as we continue into bowl season and uh, recruiting season and all that good stuff. We're totally sure Dave Doran's going to have a job, right? I'm pretty sure. I don't think anyone else is getting fired at this point. And if they are, either something's going to go terribly wrong for somebody, a la like Bobby Petrino on a motorcycle, or oh no, or it's going to be a fairly scummy move for somebody to like fire their coach right after signing day, this early signing period coming up. Right. Right, I agree. So, yeah, I think for what it's worth, Dave Doran will be keeping his job. I just like taking jabs. As far as I'm concerned, but yep. who knows? We're good. We're good. Who knows? All right, Mike. uh, We'll talk soon. Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, go ACC.